0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good morning everyone. It is so, so good to be here on International Sunday. Um, It's a joy just to see all the different nations represented and and to celebrate the differences and the diversities of the Christian community and our, our church family. But no matter what country you're from here today, I think after last night's result in the rugby, we're all Kiwis today, aren't we? You know? Oh, it's good. So good. We were at the game. Loved it. Just for, just for the 80 minutes, I wasn't from Ireland. I was from New Zealand. I was a Kiwi. But it is good to be here. It's good to represent Ireland, as we would say back home, God's own country, the land of saints and scholars. And to be honest, I am really excited to share this word with you this morning, but I'm really nervous And I think it hit me yesterday. Who was here at the the International Food Festival yesterday? Yeah? How good was that? So, so good. And so many of you taking part serving Jesus by giving us amazing food. I love you guys. It was great. But as I walked into the room and seen all the different flags, all the different nations, even when all these nationalities came on stage, I got really nervous. Because God has given me a message and this message I have, I have to give to you. And it's really, really hard to, to communicate clearly when you have so many languages and cultures and accents and dialects, especially when you're Irish. <laughs> it's hard. You can get easily get lost in translation. And in fact, I wanted to title my message this morning, Lost in Translation. I don't know if you've ever been there. You've ever been in a moment where you've got lost in translation? It happened to me most clearly in my life, a defining moment that is embarrassing and scars my memory, even till today, about three years ago, when Charlotte and I got married just over three years ago. We moved into our home, back home in Ireland, and it was a brand-new development. So all 50 houses were new houses, and I thought, this would be a great... It's coming up to Christmas, and it would be great to get to know my neighbors. Everyone would love to get to know their neighbors, especially at this time of year. So I thought, how am I going to do that? Oh, I've got an idea. Let me write Christmas cards. I want to write a Christmas card. I know that's such an old thing to do now. So it's, it's so outdated. You just send a text or a Facebook message or something. But I thought, I'll write a Christmas card. And I'll write it to each of my neighbors. And I'll do a wee Bible verse. And I'll pray as I go around the doors and knock the doors. Hopefully, you know, this will be a moment where I'll have a moment not only to get to know my neighbors, but get to share my faith. I'd really recommend that if if you want to share your faith with your neighbors this Christmas, write some Christmas cards. And it went really well for the first few houses. In fact, it went really well because no one answered their door. And I could just (laughs) put it in the letterbox and head home and they think I'm a nice guy, that's great. But it got better the next few days as we led up to Christmas. And some people would actually open their door. I got to give them the, the Christmas card. We had a wee conversation, got to know them, their name, their family, shared a wee bit about us, just for a few moments and went on. That was great. But then, the next day, it got even better again. I don't know whether people had time off work or whatever it was, but as I knocked the door, people were really willing to chat. And in fact, after a few moments on the doorstep, they'd say, come on in for a cup of tea, and we'll have a conversation, get to know each other better. And I'd be in the house for maybe 10, 20 minutes before going back home, and that was fantastic. But as I approached Christmas, there was only a few houses left, and I knocked on the door of one of the houses, And it was an English man, okay? Is there any English people in the house this morning? (laughs) Praise God. Like, you have faith to be here this morning, brother. (laughs) I am proud of you. Big round of applause for this gentleman. Come on. This English man opened the door, and we started to have a great conversation. And I had been praying, you know, God, I want to not only get to know my neighbors, but I want my neighbors to know Jesus. And I started to, uh, like, start talking, and after a few moments of really in-depth conversation, he turned around and says, well, what do you do for a living? And that's always always a great opportunity to share my faith, because I'm like, I'm a pastor, so this should be quite easy to say. I go to church, you know, do you go to church? And he asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, here in town just. And his face lit up, right? He starts to go, Oh my goodness, me and my wife were just talking this week, how we would love to meet someone like you, get to know someone like you. I said, really? He said, yeah, we were just talking, we have an issue, and we would love if you could help us with it. Said, oh, brilliant, fantastic, this is great, thank you, God, this is a divine appointment. <laughs> so he invites me into his house, and we're talking. He says let's head upstairs i said brilliant great maybe he knows the bible and he knows about how you want to pray you should go to the secret place into your closet close the door that's fantastic and as we walk around the house he's showing me the lovely paintings and pictures and furniture and we're having a great conversation and he opens this door up into an empty room just carpet no paintings on the wall no nothing and he goes as we walk into the room i'm starting to get a wee bit curious i said so how, how can I help you? And he goes up to this blank wall. All it has is a crack down the middle. And he says, this is my issue, can you help? And I am <laughs> looking at him, looking at the wall, looking back at him, and then it hit me. I am so sorry, I'm a pastor, not a plasterer. <laughs> he goes, I, I, I pastor people, I don't, I don't plaster walls. This is a true story. And he turns around and goes, "Oh, OMG, I'm an atheist, I'm so sorry, and <laughs> rushed me down the stairs. I had never went downstairs as quick and out of the door. You see, it's easy to get lost in translation when you're Irish, isn't it? But before you laugh at me, Kiwis aren't that easy to understand either. And all the international said amen. And it's not your accent. We love your accent. It's a wee bit different, but we love your accent. It's just a certain phrase that you guys use that is really, really confusing, and it gets lost in translation all the time. And it's the phrase, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. What? You ask a question, and they say, yeah, nah. It gets lost in that moment of me, the message is lost, the translation is gone, I'm out the window, I know we're speaking English, but I have no idea what you're saying. And before I point the finger and criticize, I need to come clean, because I've used that phrase before. Even I've used it long before I even came to New Zealand and knew it existed. Don't get me wrong, I didn't use it with my mouth, I used it in my mind. And I didn't use it in my conversations and my words to people, when I'm speaking to them, but when God was speaking to me through his word, God would speak to me through the Bible and i go, yeah, nah. And if we're all honest, there's passages and places in the Bible where we've all said, yeah, nah. And this morning, I want to look at a passage, a universal passage for every believer, where I believe, everywhere I go, people seem to struggle with this passage. They hear it, and they go, yeah, but nah. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me? It's the Great Commission to all nations. It's Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read verses 16 to 20. The verse, I believe, in the verses where people and Christians and church go, yeah, nah, it gets lost in translation. This is what the Word of God says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let's just pause there a moment before we get into the message of what Jesus says. Here are the disciples Uh, And they've witnessed it all. They've seen Jesus live a perfect life, a spotless life, a sinless life. And he's went to the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, but they didn't really get that at that moment. They had seen Jesus crucified as a criminal and he's been buried for three days and now he's risen from the grave and he appears to them here before he ascends into heaven. They've seen it all, yet some people were there in the right place, but feeling like they were the wrong person. They were like, yeah, nah. They had the doubts. They had seen it. They knew they were in the right place, but maybe they were the wrong person for the job, and maybe you're here this morning, and you're like that when it comes to faith. You're like, yeah, nah. I I know, I know, I know there's a God. I I feel it. Maybe I've learned that from a child. Maybe my friends, my family, maybe the person brought you here has told you this, and you know it in your head, but in your heart you're like, No, I don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I know it's there. If that's you this morning, we're so glad you came. What a great day to be in church. And what a great day to hear the word of God because we see these disciples, even though they had doubt, it did not disqualify them from hearing the word of God. It did not disqualify them in following Jesus. It did not disqualify them in hearing the great commission. So what is that message that Jesus says? Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hmm. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As Christians, we read that and go, yeah, nah, yeah, we get how important it is and how essential it is to the Christian life, but nah, I don't really know what that means for my life. I, I get it, yeah, but nah, I don't know what that looks like for me. And sometimes as Christians, we can, we can treat the Bible like a buffet when you go in and you, and you pick the bits you like and the bits that doesn't just quite suit your taste, you leave them. Like, well, look at John 3.16. Every Christian loves John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Yeah! He is the universal God. He's the God of all nations, every tribe, every tongue, that he gave his only Son. Yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father through him, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not just eternal life, but abundant life. He saves us from hell and brings us to heaven, but gives us heaven on earth. Jesus is the savior of the world. Yeah, go into all the world and make disciples. No, Yeah, we get Jesus as the Savior of the world, but the message for the whole world, does that mean I have to move, I have to go, I have to do? What does that look like for me? And as I look around the room, I see so many sincere believers. And when it comes to this verse, it's not as if you want to disobey it. You simply maybe don't understand it. It's got lost in translation. You read the words, go and make disciples of all nations, but what does that look like? Raising kids? What does that look like going to school? What does that look like paying a mortgage? What does that look like having a job? It gets lost in translation. Now, I am no translation expert. I know very few languages. I only know words of different languages. I know very little. But one thing I do understand, if you want to understand a language or not get lost in translation, You need to understand the structure of a language. If you're learning a language, that's what your teachers will tell you. You need to learn the grammar. You can't just learn random phrases and words and patch it all together. You need to get it. You get me? Yeah? It's the same with Scripture. If we are getting this passage and we're feeling lost in translation and don't understand the real meaning of it, we need to take a step back and look at the whole message of Matthew. We need to look at the structure of it. We need to look at the wider message, not just a wee word here and a wee phrase there and a wee verse there. We need to get the whole message. Now, that is not only vital when it comes to understanding the Great Commission, it's actually very interesting. Because if you listen to the scholars and the great teachers of the Word, they will tell you that Matthew's Gospel is a chiastic Gospel. And what that simply put means is it's written in a particular pattern. And it's, the pattern is like a circular pattern I want you to get an image in your mind of a dartboard a dartboard that has a number of metal rings around it one big ring a smaller one inside and then another smaller one all the way down to the bullseye okay and it makes sure the dartboard is completely linked up so the bigger one connects all the doubles you know the other one connects all the triples and then you have all the rest etc etc in Matthew's gospel it's like a circular structure Where chapter 1 is linked to chapter 28. Chapter 2 is linked to chapter 27. Chapter 3 is linked to chapter 26, etc., etc., right down to the heart of Matthew. And this is what I mean by that. If you look at chapter 1 and you look at chapter 28, it carries the same theme and topic, and that is that Jesus is alive. Matthew chapter 1 looks at his birth, chapter 28 looks at his resurrection. Then if you look at chapter 2 and chapter 27, The theme is that Jesus' life is in danger. In chapter 2, we read of the Herod, the leader, trying to kill all the baby boys in that area and how they had to escape to Egypt to save the life of Jesus. Chapter 27, Jesus is facing another opposition from religious leaders this time, and they're trying to crucify him. Chapter 3 is all about baptism. 3 is the baptism of the Spirit, but 26 is the baptism of suffering. We look at chapter 4. And we see it's all about preaching it in chapter 25. Chapter 4 is when the preaching begins in Jesus' ministry. And chapter 25 is when the preaching ends in his ministry. And it goes on and on and on right to the middle of Matthew. All of that to say this. If we want to understand the Great Commission, the last words of Matthew, we need to understand the first words of Matthew. It's interlinked and it's connected. And maybe the reason it has got lost in translation is because you're reading it as it's isolated on its own. The Bible is never meant to be, pick a doctrine and you make it out of a molehill out of nothing, so to speak. A mountain out of a molehill. It's always seemed to be linked into the narrative and the story of Scripture. So as we look at Matthew chapter 1, the first words, and Matthew chapter 28, the last words, we'll see it's all about sharing the message that Jesus is alive. But although it's the same message, there seems to be two different methods in doing it. And this morning, I really think this will bring breakthrough to your life because as we look at the beginning of Matthew, we'll see this approach of come and see. And as we look at the end of Matthew, we see go and tell. So this morning, we're going to spend some time just thinking about them two thoughts. So come and see and go and tell. Let's start at the beginning, Matthew chapter 1. Turn to the person beside you and say, come and see. When we look at Matthew's gospel, We see that the message is spread by God breaking down barriers for people and inviting them to come and see the Savior of the world. We think of the Magi or the wise men. Uh, And we know today because of the work of scholars and, and teachers of the word that these men were actually astrologers. They were people who studied the skies and the stars. So how would God speak to people like this? Well, we're reading the story. He spoke to them through a star. He breaks down the barriers to invite these people to come and see Jesus, Savior of the world, in a language they understand. Now, we can be really, really guilty of this in church. If you've been in church for any length of time, although we know so many different languages in the w- room, we all speak Christianese. And we speak a language we all understand, but no one outside of these four walls will know. We, we talk in terms and in words and phrases that make sense to us, but is a complete barrier to our neighbors, and to our friends, and to our families, to come and know Jesus. But what does God do? He shows us in this approach of come and see, we are to break down the barriers. And this isn't a one-off example. If we look at the other accounts, you'll see the shepherds. The shepherds in that society were outcasts. Because of their unclean work with animals, and their long hours being away from the festivals and the temple, they were not welcome in places of worship. And God comes and speaks to them and tells them to come and see. But where does he invite them? Does he invite them to a palace where a new king will be born? Or to a place of worship to the temple? No, the familiar place of a manger. Right. God is always seeking to break down barriers that people have that stops them believing. So that we can invite them to come and see not church, but Christ. Right. As Christians, how are we doing that? What, are th- what is the world you live in? Who is your friends and your family God has placed you amongst? The school or the street you live on? The workplace or the world you live in? Where has Jesus placed you where you can break down the barriers? Where you can invite people to come and see Jesus? Well, is that really reaching the nations if we do that? Well, if you live in Auckland, yes. Because the nations are your neighbors, you know? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. Jesus speaking, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Before you reach the nations, you need to reach your neighbors. And Auckland, your neighbors are the nations. I looked at our most recent census here in Auckland, 2018, and it said that 29% of Auckland's population were from Asia, It says 16% were from the Pacific Islands. That's a total, just them two nations, and I haven't mentioned any South Africans this morning so far. (laughs) It's so good you're here. If you're from an international place, you feel home here. This is home, right? But that's just them two people groups. Is 45% of the population of Auckland. The nations are here. The Rugby World Cup was here. The nations came. As you step out, you step into the nations. Jesus says, I will... Bring the Holy Spirit, and when He comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. Before you step out into the nations, you need to step into what God's doing in your neighbourhood. Come and see. It starts there, but Matthew's clear it doesn't stop there. Turn to the person you rejected the first time and tell them. Go and tell. When Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about because they themselves had been discipled by Jesus personally. And they would have realized that to go and make disciples would have meant to go and tell. Why? Because each and every disciple of Jesus, he went to them and he told them to follow me. We think of the fishermen. We think of Peter and Andrew and the sons of Zebedee. Where did he meet them? Did he just wait in a church building for them to come in? No. No. He went to them on the water. He went to their boat and he said, follow me. We are to go and tell those who do not come here, right? We think of Matthew himself, the author of this message and this gospel. He was a tax collector. He would have been the person no one wanted on either side, not the Romans or the Jews. He was unwanted and unwelcome anywhere. Yet Jesus goes to his booth and says, follow me. Jesus intentionally goes and tells them to follow me. And that's really, really important, right? Because although we're all called to live this come and see life, yeah? We're all called to break down barriers and invite people to see Jesus. We can only do that if we first go and tell people about Jesus, right? And what I mean by that is we live in New Zealand and praise God for the work of God in this country. Every region has an amazing gospel witness for Jesus, like there's churches all over the place. Even Auckland, the amount of churches here, it is fantastic and we praise God for that. But there are nations around the world who have no Christian witness. We, you can't live out a come and see life there because there are no Christians there. We first must go and tell them of their need to be saved. We must go and tell them the good news of Jesus. In fact, the estimates tell us that there is 3.2 billion people who are unreached in the world. When I say unreached, I don't mean unchurched. You know unchurched people. The difference between an unchurched person and an unreached person is the unchurched people have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Where they live, perhaps their friends and their families, there's a Christian influence somewhere. They can seek it out, but those unreached people can't. There isn't a church, there's not even a Christian in their town, their village, or even their city. Maybe not in their nation. And they will live their entire life without even having an opportunity to believe in Jesus. They will live and they will die and go to an eternity without God because we haven't went and told them about it. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, amen? How then can, we, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. This scripture requires a response from each of us believers here. We are called to play our part. And that mightn't look like you moving to another nation. I'm really aware that there may be people on site and online because of your health, you can't leave the country maybe because of your family, your finance, maybe even visa, maybe your, your past, you cannot travel. But you can still play your part in the nations. You can pray for the nations. You can pray for the work of God in nations that are unreached. You can partner with those who are already serving there. You can seek out the, those who are serving the Lord and partner with them, whether that's financial or emotional or mental or spiritual support, or you could go one step further and you could participate yourself. You could relocate to somewhere that is unreached or needs the gospel. And I believe in a room this size, surely God could be speaking to someone's heart on International Sunday about this. But it may look like short term. My wife and I, Charlotte, were here for six months. We felt the call of God on our life to come and serve. It was costly, it was hard, but we made it and we did it. And and this is New Zealand, it's it's a lot easier to do it here than in an unreached nation. They're unreached because they're hard to reach, but maybe it, it might even just be visiting there on your holidays taking time off work to go to partner to support those doing the work there, sharing your faith in a local capacity wherever you go. You see, the Great Commission, it's not just go and tell, it's come and see. It's not one or the other, it's not both, and sometimes we it's got lost in translation because we've tried to push one or the other, but it's both. The message of Matthew is clear, but now this is the moment in the message and in the Great Commission where it often gets lost in translation, where people fall into the temptation and into the trap to do it all themselves they hear about the great need in the nations and they hear about the great commission itself it's not just a good idea it's a great commission and they need to go and they take on this burden that was not theirs to bear and they try and save the world by themselves but what do we see in this passage what do we see about those who are seeking God's purposes in the world is that he promises his presence This is not your work, it's his. We just get to be involved in it. And we read of this promise both at the beginning of Matthew and at the end of Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 23, when we hear of the birth of Jesus, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then we go to the last words in Matthew, and Jesus' last words here, in verse 20, it says, And surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. It's a promise of his presence that we don't do this alone, that we can't do this alone, that we need him. And on International Sunday, I would love to pray for you. We don't want to just look at the word and say, this is what you need to do. This is the instructions for this week and this month and this year. But we look at the word and we look at ourselves and say, we need God. We need his presence. We don't need our own plans, our own strategy, our own strength. We need his spirit. And I would love just to even pray for the believers in this room, a fresh commissioning. Because as I've been speaking, there's been places, there's been people put on your hearts. And you know that unless God steps in, it's not going to happen. But the good news is, God wants to step in. He's promised his presence, that he is with us. And this morning, Jesus is with us. Just let that sink in for a moment. Right now, in this room, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us. That he didn't stay up in heaven, but he came down and he lowered himself. He gave his life for each and every one of us. He died on the cross to take the wrath of God and the punishment that all mankind deserved, all the world. He loved it so much, he gave his life. He died, was buried, and rose again and ascended into heaven. But right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is with us today. So right now, whoever you are, wherever you come from, wherever God is calling for you, I would love to pray for you. Would you mind just barring your heads, closing your eyes, taking a moment, not worrying about the people around you or beside you, but just where you are? And maybe you need to have a conversation with God and say, God, I've got this message and it's been lost in translation for so long. I've been trying it in my own strength. In fact, I might have even given up, but right now, I need you. I want you. I want to give my life so that others may see the life of Jesus. Those people, those places in your hearts, you're feeling them heavy right now. God wants to come and he wants to step into that situation. He wants to move by his spirit and give you boldness to break down barriers. He wants to give you faith to live out this life so that others come to faith. He wants to increase your desire in the place of prayer in the place of outreach, in the place of living that life so people, you will come and see and go and tell. So right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray for each and every believer in this room. On International Sunday, you are the God of all nations. You love all nations, every tribe and every tongue, and our desire is to live a life worthy of it because your life is worthy of it all. Our heart and our desire is that people from every tribe and every tongue will put their trust in Jesus, that they will confess with their mouth in all the different languages that Jesus Christ is Lord. So right now, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would rest and remain on each and every person. The presence of Jesus would be evident as they seek to pursue your purposes in their world. Give them boldness and strength to love and to serve you so that others may see it and give glory to their Father in heaven, we pray. Amen. Just as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I would just love to give an opportunity for someone in this place, maybe you're not a Christian, to follow Jesus. It would be a shame to preach a message on the Great Commission without sharing the message and giving an opportunity for you to respond. And maybe this morning you walked in here and you were like, yeah, now nah, when I came to your faith. Maybe you thought, I know it in my head, but in my heart, it's lacking. I don't think I even have this personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you follow Jesus at one point, but you're far off, and this morning you want to come back to him. That you realize that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a brutal death for your sin and for mine. He took the punishment to forgive us and to set us free. Not just from hell and to gain heaven, but this relationship that begins today. And right now, if that's you, I'm just going to ask, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, that you would just indicate that you want to make that decision by raising your hand. Just an outward action of an inward choice. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. Is there anyone here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone here this morning would like to give their life to Jesus? Just raise your hand and you can put it back down. I'll see it. The team will see it. We'll help and support. We'll pray for you and help you on this journey fantastic let's pray together if that's you and you're making that decision we want to communicate to god we don't want this moment to get lost in translation we just don't want to hear god communicate to us through his word we want to communicate with him in prayer and if you've made that decision to follow jesus would you pray after me father thank you for sending jesus thank you for his sacrifice on the cross thank you that you did it for me I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, set me free from my shame, and help me to follow you as I turn from my sin and put my trust in you as Savior, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let's give a big round of applause to those people who made a decision this morning to follow Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.